he was doing this uh, he was doing this thing where he had two pens on his desk. He had a red pen and a green pen. He starts the interview by saying, I have a red pen and a green pen. Red you don't want, green is the one you want. As I was answering questions, he would kind of hover his hand over one pen and the other. So it was throwing me a little bit because he kept going back to the red pen. We're all about turning a crappy situation into something positive. A quarter million dollars of credit card I debt. still remember the day when no one turned up. Throw it in the garbage and start from scratch. I could give myself a chance. So I started something. I mean, I think that counts as from poop to gold. <laughs> our sponsor for this episode is our 14-day video script challenge. Yes, we are sponsoring our own show. Yes, we are. <laughs> Welcome back to From Poop to Gold. This is Benton Crane, your co-host. I'm here today with a special guest. We've got Nate Sandell here with us. He is the senior manager of social media at the Mall of America. Yeah. So Nate, welcome. Paint a picture for us. I have been to the Mall of America in Minnesota. I spent a summer there. Okay, I'm a little scared now. So, so I've seen it. I've experienced it. Okay. But I need you to paint a picture for our listeners. Tell us about Mall of America and what makes it special. That's a that's a big question, right? I, the Mall of America is is a very interesting place because it's huge. It, it is a very large, uh, large uh, property, uh, 5.6 million square feet, one of the largest entertainment shopping destinations in the country. Uh, so many different facets to it, uh, whether that is shopping is your game, uh, 520 plus stores and attractions and dining options. But then we also have our indoor theme park in Nickelodeon Universe, Sea Life Aquarium. Uh, you could go and if you if shopping is not your thing, you could spend the, the whole day going from ex attraction to attraction. Uh, if you love escape games, we have our own escape room at MOA. You can play mini golf. I'm no one's definition uh, of a shopaholic, right? I, I work at Mall of America and I can tell you that I don't shop very often, but uh, I can still enjoy all the experiences there. But uh, we have millions of guests and uh, tourists that come through our gates, uh, our doors every day uh, and all year long. And it can be, uh, there's, there's always something going on at MOA. So it's called Mall of America, right? But yeah. let's be honest, it's not like running down to your local mall and going, you know, through a couple department stores and and a bunch of smaller stores. It's a totally different experience than that. How would you say it, it how would you compare it to that local mall experience? Yeah, I think that's one of those areas where we even with talking about Mall of America across our social channels, uh, we go back and forth with because you have your local audience. To them, they've grown up with it. They it's just part of their uh, of their everyday life. And to them, it's nothing you know entirely special. It's their local mall. But for uh, tourists and guests there from out of town and coming through, they come in into the doors and they see that they get that wow factor that that of really understanding the scope. And that's what we want to feed into uh, when it comes to anything that we're doing is is providing a level of service, a level of, of attraction and shopping experience that you are going to really have that wow factor in everything you do. And, and I think that uh, just translates just you can get that from not, uh, not just the 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 scope of the property, but then also just from uh, a service point of view too. Gotcha. Talk to us about the special history of the location. Yeah, you know, way back in uh, in the 1950s, 1960s, it was where the home of uh, Metropolitan Stadium was. So this is uh, just outside this, of Minneapolis. It's outside of Minneapolis, right? about 15, 20 minutes outside of downtown Minneapolis. Uh, uh, from our uh, from where our offices are, uh, our management offices are at Mall of America, we can see uh, both Minneapolis and St. Paul, the Twin Cities. Uh, so about 15, 20 minutes south uh, of the city uh, is Bloomington, Minnesota, is where we're located. 
excited. And if you've flown into uh, Minneapolis, uh, St. Paul International Airport, we're right there, right next to the airport. You can see the planes coming and going all day long. Uh, but in the 1950s and 60s, that's where Metropolitan Stadium was. Uh, it was there for many years. That's where uh, greats like Harmon Killebrew used to play. Uh, home plate of where Metropolitan Stadium is. So this was, is where the Twins played, right? This is where the Twins and the Minnesota Vikings, the football team, uh, played as well. If you go into Mall of America, you can, uh, if you're in Nickelodeon Universe, you can see uh, Home Plate is there, is located right by uh, SpongeBob's Rock Bottom Plunge just outside of it. So, uh, so Nickelodeon Universe is essentially a theme park in the center of the mall, right? It, yep. It's one of the largest indoor theme parks in, in the country. Uh, and you can actually see uh, there was a seat that was left out in uh, what was, uh, you know, left center field uh, Metropolitan Stadium. And it is where Harmon Killebrew, uh, who is a Hall of Famer, uh, launched uh, his home uh, his 500 plus uh, foot home run. And there's a, there's a seat that's right by our log chute uh, that you can still see today. Uh, so a lot of history from that point of view, but uh, it's just outside of our doors where Ikea is today uh, is where Metropolitan or uh, the Met Center was. And that's where um, the North Stars used to play the hockey team who then moved to Dallas and now we have, uh, we moved on and now we have a new hockey team with Minnesota Wild and I mean, I say new, relatively new. Sure. Um, but uh, they, uh, a lot of history there, uh, especially from the sports side of things, but uh, Mall of America broke ground in 1989 uh, and then opened its doors up in 1992 on August 11th. Got it. Okay, let's shift gears. Sure. Now let's talk about you. Let's talk about Nate. I understand um, you have a sports broadcasting background. How did you make the transition from sports broadcasting to social media at Mall of America? Yeah, definitely. It's more on the, the sports journalism, sports media side. Uh, kind of came up through, uh, uh, you know, had graduated with a degree in, in journalism and mass communications. And it was really following more of the, uh, the, the journalism route, the news media side of things. And uh, for a long time, I thought that, that was really where my passion lied. And uh, there's a lot of factors in who uh, facets of sports journalism that I think have carried over to where I'm in where I'm now uh, but at the time loved the the time that I put into it I spent about five six years professionally outside of college uh, covering a variety of different sports uh, and especially in the Twin Cities market uh, working for the local uh, ESPN radio station there and, and doing a lot of online writing as well I uh, covered the Minnesota Gophers and college football was really my main beat uh, but Touched on a lot of different sports, but uh, was a uh, was an AP uh, top twenty-five poll voter for a couple of years too. So certainly uh, got a lot of of that sports background. But uh, about uh, about four years ago, just felt that I needed a that I just needed to change. It just was not connecting. It didn't have the same passion that I I had once had for for the field, uh, and it kind of stumbled into the position I am now uh, as senior manager of social media at Mall of America and I uh, have really learned to to embrace what the similarities between that and what we were doing from a from a uh, journalism side and kind of seeing the flip side of it uh, from more of a, a brand management standpoint. Got it. Now, 
Um, many brands have kind of a singular story to tell. And so as they're on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and all the other platforms, they're able to kind of tell this, this same story over and over and over again. Now, I imagine at Mall of America, with so many things going on between the amusement park and the dining and the shops and the experiences and, and everything that goes along with it, have you guys been able to hone in on a singular story or do you find yourselves telling lots of small stories? Yeah, that's a good question because that's one of the hardest pieces uh, of telling Mall of America's story as a whole because you have so many facets to it and you have all these brands uh, and other tenants that are telling their own story but what our goal is and what we need to accomplish is, is how do you take that and hone it into your own brand in our own story and, and I think that we have found ways to do that across our channels and and, uh, and and do it very in different ways across whether that's Facebook that's Twitter Instagram snapchat etc uh, but how you talk about one uh, attraction, may not relate to another channel. So one channel, one brand may work on Facebook, but they may not have a presence on Twitter or Instagram. So you have to, what we have to figure out is how do we do that uh, and, and, you know, identify those brands and what, what are they trying to accomplish? What are we trying to accomplish? And how do we best do that? And we do that through creating a lot of, uh, of organic content, content that feels uh, it has a human element to it. So instead of just using something that maybe the your your marketing team just created just a, that it says buy one, get one free with uh, some stock image behind it, we want to take a photo that we actually went up, took ourselves, uh, you know, has a high quality to it, but still fits that, that quality you see on our other channels like Instagram. And just by doing that, you're able to tell the brand story. Uh, you're able to tell the tenant story while also telling our own story within our own voice. Very cool. Talk to us about Twizzard. Yeah, that Twizzard is one of the the uh, one of the coolest events that we've done. We it was done a couple of years ago at this point, uh, but I think it highlights uh, what where we'd say we want to stay ahead of trends and find ways to interact with our. Uh, our guest that this Twizzard really touches on that. And uh, you ask yourself, what is a Twizzard? And well, a Twizzard is a, a, a interactive Twitter powered blizzard. So by using hashtag Twizzard, uh, we help make it snow. Guests help make it snow within our rotunda uh, on Black Friday, uh, during Black Friday weekend. So we so, had- So it literally snowed inside of Mall America. It literally Mall of America. snowed. There was probably plenty of snow outside as well, but uh, we helped uh, add a little bit of snow to the, to the inside as well. So guests would have uh, be empowered to use the hashtag and the more it was used uh, it would set these uh, digital thermometers within the rotunda and they would slowly go from 99 degrees down to below freezing uh, and once they hit below freezing then it would trigger a blizzard. Uh, you know it was actually a soap it was a, a special substance that we could make that we had to do a lot of, uh, of talking with our maintenance team to get enough, have a have a uh, a substance that will look like snow, but then also wouldn't le leave a residue on the floor that didn't become a safety hazard as right. well. Uh, but it was a very cool experience to just see people walking through the rotunda and just have that little bit of magic when they looked up uh, and, and they saw the snow coming down. So, so just to be clear, the temperature didn't actually drop to below freezing. <laughs> right. No, the temperature stayed at uh, stayed a easy seventy two degrees like it always does. Got at, it. At got it. So, yeah. so everyone's comfortable, but there's these digital thermometers up that visually are representing. Right. Hey, you need to tweet 
hashtag twizzard. Exactly. And the more people who tweet that hashtag, then the thermometer comes down and down and down and down until it hits below freezing. I, I use air quotes for <laughs> right. below freezing, right? And then the the soaps uh, snowflakes start to fall. Is right. That, is that how it works? Yeah. And the best part about Twizzard was that guests would use, whether you were on property or you saw it when it was trending on social, guests would use the hashtag and they may not even know, they may not be following Mall of America. They may not have any idea what a Twizzard is, but they went ahead and they clicked on it and they got in the into the action when they realized what was happening. And we ended up picking up uh, you know a lot of followers and get eyeballs on the content they may have other otherwise not uh, interacted with it just because it was a unique experience. And I think it really touches on what we're trying to do overall uh, with our social channels is find ways that we can engage with the guests and give them an opportunity to really tell the story. Because when it came to Twizzard and other things that we have done, it's letting guests tell the story and having us just, we're just there as the facilitators and listening to them. Uh, and certainly we're there to engage back and forth, but uh, really your guests are your brand and we want to make sure that that comes across in the experiences that we're delivering. Super cool, super innovative, original idea. Tell us about the origin of that idea. How did it come together? How do you and your team come up with not only Twizzard, but what's next? For sure. And I think with the with the Twizzard, as it is with a lot of our different uh, experiences and uh, that we have at Mall of America, it's a very much a group uh, mentality. And it comes from a lot of different departments, whether that is our social team, public relations. We also have an experiential marketing team uh, as well. Uh, and just with our just communications team as a whole. And it's all these, these teams trying to come together to find how can we uh, best articulate our brand and really understanding, okay, this is who we are and how do we really can translate this into something that we haven't done before. Uh, and that was what we were trying to accomplish, uh, not only with Twizzard, but what we try to accomplish uh, anytime you have the, ho uh, the holiday season. And I think you see that if you ever get to experience Mall of America during the holidays, we're trying to make it uh, a, a unique, special experience. We Lately, we've had our, our Discover Your Traditions experience in, uh, or uh, campaign and trying to make it so that you have times where you can come in uh, and do things that you do the same thing every year, but it's a, it's a comfortable spot to you celebrate the holidays. I want to dig a little bit deeper. Yeah. Great ideas in big organizations usually happen in spite of the organization, not because of the organization. Who's really pushing these good ideas to the finish line? Because committees are usually where good ideas go to die. Yeah, no, I think that I think that's fair. I think it's it's good to keep in mind at Mall of America, it's a relatively small team for the size of the brand. Uh, there's a lot of different facets to it. Uh, but when it comes to some of these ideas, especially on the social side, uh, when if you're talking just from a social care side uh, and just just general social content, it's coming from both our, our from our, my team and then from our public relations team. But then as a whole, you know, our uh, um, senior vice president of marketing, Jill Renslow, uh, really pushes us to try to think outside the box. So I think that vision, especially from a, a staying above the trends on a, from a digital side, from a social side, and that empowerment has really come from her. Uh, but then I think we are able to take that and be able to bring that to life uh, and feel like we are empowered as a team, uh, more of a, as a smaller team, 
to be able to, to create those ideas uh, and, and have that trust that it's going to have that unique experience. Awesome. So that way, when you want to dump soap suds on the floor, exactly, you've got some backing from up above so that the legal department can't just shut you down. Right. I, and I think that's, we always run into that uh, at, at MOA is that you have, there's so many facets to it that you have to think about when you, we might sit in a room and say, okay, that's a really great event, social event that we want to do. But, okay, does it make sense? Is the fire marshal going to be coming? Uh, or who do we need to talk to? What's our maintenance team going to think? What's our security team going to think? Uh, there's a lot of facets to it that you have to think about. And that's where our team has a lot of connection with those those different departments. Uh, but when you get everybody working on the same page, you can create some awesome stuff. Twizzard was a good example of that. Uh, we, we do a lot of interactive uh, experiences just during the holiday season where if you walk around the property, we have these giant toys that you run into. There's a giant Barbie car. There's a giant uh, jack-in-the-box. And it's supposed to look as if uh, Santa's... Uh, uh, you know, his his, uh, his sack just fell out and all the stuff from his sleigh is scattered out throughout the mall and kind of leads you back to the Santa set where you can meet Santa. Uh, and we try to do that each year. And a lot of the social digital uh, um, support we provide that is to try to feed into that story uh, of the magic of the holidays. I love it. I love it. If you don't have to talk to the fire marshal and the police, you know, then you're, yeah. just, you're just not, you know, pushing the boundaries enough. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's part of it for us socially is that you know, certainly security uh, plays a big role in yep. it. That's where, uh, where our social command center is located is right next to our security team and our security dispatch uh, team. So we work hand in hand with them to, to provide an experience for guests that is not only uh, quality and fun, but also safe uh, and something that uh, the whole family can enjoy. Got it. So as you're experiencing these user-generated stories, what kind of impact has that had on Mall of America as an organization? Yeah, I think that has always, that's always kind of the million dollar question. You know, how do you quantify that social impact? And there are, there are ways to do that, certainly. Uh, but we, there are sometimes within social care, the social care side of things that it's not always easy to, uh, uh, you know, give a, an exact value to how your response landed with a person. Uh, but I think that we have seen obvious examples of a guest saying things to us. Like, you know, if it wasn't for this post, I wouldn't have checked this experience out. Thank you for letting us know. Uh, we've done a lot of guest recovery through social, and you can see the the value there in the number of, uh, you know, some guest recovery examples where we're able to give. So guest recovery, I imagine, is helping out a, yeah, a, a grumpy might, customer. Grumpy customer, and, and, and I think anyone that engages with, with uh, you know, a disgruntled guest or a disgruntled customer, I think would tell you that a lot of times if you just take the time to listen to them, most of the time that guest backs down and, and, and listens to what you have to say and will and be able to find some type of middle ground that you can uh, resolve the situation and make their experience better. Uh, but certainly we are, are trying to do that through, through social and find ways, more and more ways that we can uh, quantify it. Uh, but also we would not have gotten to where we are with our social channels if it didn't take uh, an ownership uh, and a in leadership within our, our company and our brand that believed in what we were doing and gave us kind of the leeway to uh, really put ourselves out there. Uh, and that's a lot of what goes into really every day for MOA Social. So Twizzard was a success. Yeah. Have you ever had one flop? 
Yeah, you know, we've we've had our fair share uh, of different campaigns in uh, not working or, uh, you know, tweets not working, a post not working. Uh, a lot of, I'm trying to just rack my brain trying to think of, of the, you know, one specific example. But when it comes to our social channels and the amount of people that we have coming through the property, there's always something that's going to happen. And you have to be prepared uh, for, for those situations to come up, whether it's a disgruntled guest or if it's a security situation that's a little elevated, uh, escalated a little bit more uh, that we uh, have to deal with. And uh, that's where we have to uh, make sure that we have our crisis communication plan. Uh, we've had our, again, our fair share here in the last uh, several years that uh, we've had to deal with. And I think we, because we know who we are as a brand socially, we're able to respond to those very quickly. Uh, for the most part, when it comes to crisis communication, I would say about 90% of the time we don't respond to you know direct inquiries if somebody's if there's an issue that say there is a, I think I used the example of recently of one time when we had a car fire uh, on uh, one of our parking ramps and we uh, we just saw a tweet that came through that was hey looks like there's a car on fire at Mall of America uh, we ran back to our, our uh, the team that was moderating the feed ran back to security dispatch said hey looks like it's P4 West there's a, there's a fire that was the first time dispatch was hearing of it they immediately called the fire department fire department comes out they put out the fire uh, and then within 30 so minutes somebody tweeted it before they called 911 before they called 911 there's no one to say that they didn't call them after that but <laughs> as far as we know. Awesome. <laughs> uh, they just they just tweeted, uh, but we were able to get back to dispatch. They were able to get fire department out there. Thirty minutes go by, fires put out. Well, then we get a call from uh, from a local TV station that reached out and said, "Hey, we saw on Twitter that there was a fire out at MOA. We're on our way uh, to take care of it." By this point, there was no story because the fire was out. There was nothing that they uh, could really cover, uh, and so what's great from our end is that we can tell the story of A, that how quickly we responded to it, but B, it really takes it out of the media and it becomes a non-story. So just by uh, setting up that moderation ahead of time uh, helps us deal with some situations before they may escalate into those those situations where you hear that the keyword of viral, uh, where they become a little unruly. And uh, that's certainly our goal of trying to prevent that. Is your team always that on top of it and always that responsive or was that an anomaly? I don't think that was certainly not an anomaly, but uh, we've had uh, th things do slip through the cracks here and there. Uh, when you For our team, we have, uh, I have a team of seven in total, uh, five uh, community managers that their main role is just moderation. Uh, so yes, things will come and get through the cracks, but when it comes to, uh, I think those, those high level security situations, uh, those are ones that are, that are going to be caught. Uh, we have enough filters in place, keyword, uh, uh alerts that mm -hmm. are in place that, uh, that they're going to be, they're going to be caught ahead of time. That's awesome. All right, Nate, the podcast is called poop to gold, right? Mm -hmm. Tell us about a situation where you took a really crappy situation and turn it into something great? Oof. You know, that is a really good question because I, I think that 
you can I can come up with examples from uh, from a Mall of America related point of view. But if you're if you're talking about me personally, I think what I would go back to uh, would be about four or five years ago. Uh, so this is just before my time at Mall of America. I was at a, a crossroads uh, in my career where you know still obviously a young professional, uh, but had had been in the the sports journalism news media side of things for uh, about five six years at that point, and and just I wasn't happy. With it anymore, and I, and I and I realized that uh, I didn't feel like I was matching up to the level that I felt for me to continue to be successful. Uh, that I was was at that level, or what was missing? I you know I don't know, and I think that looking back on it now, I think it was really it came down to the passion uh, of the desire to really feed into it. When I set my mind to something, I'm going to keep going, uh, and I'm going to do it until till it's done. I can be uh, you can ask my fiance, I can be very stubborn when it comes to, to, uh, things that I'm passionate about, but it's only if I have that, that real love for it and that passion. And I think that was starting to, to, to fade. Uh, and, and I just, I think I was asking yourself where that millions out there will have asked themselves the same thing of, can you see yourself doing this for 10, 15, 20 years down the road? And, uh, I kept coming back to know that that wasn't the answer. And, I was struggling to find that next step and, and was feeling really lost about what that next step was going to be. Uh, and you had that feeling of just not knowing where, where you're going to go next uh, and had interviewed for a, a number of positions. And I had started looking a lot in in the sports related field, but then uh, sort of venturing out into other uh, entertainment related fields. I think that's where a lot of uh, you know, my interest lie is is in, in themed entertainment. Uh, and I kind of happened across the position uh, at Mall of America. Uh, and, and my manager at the time when I when I was interviewing uh, and then I think we really connected right away and I got into I got into an interview with uh, uh, who is now uh, our VP of communications and who's my boss now. Uh, and I'm sitting with Dan and, uh, and I was, he was doing this, uh, he was doing this thing where uh, he can be a little bit uh, uh, he can, a goofball at times and he can even do it to people he doesn't know. Uh, he had two pens on his desk, he had a red pen and a green pen. And he kept saying, he's, he starts the interview by saying, okay, I have a red pen and a green pen. Red you don't want, green is the one you want. Uh, and he would, as I was answering questions, he would kind of hover his hand over one pen and the other. Uh, and, would, and so it was throwing me a little bit because he kept going back to the red pen. So uh, as in like, it, so your mid-response yes, and mid his response. hand will hover <laughs> over the, the yeah. red pen as if like you're saying the wrong thing? Exactly. And so it, it was it was throwing me off, but I think that I had enough you know, wherewithal to think, okay, I, I know this stuff. I can answer these questions. Uh, you know, if they like you, they like you. Uh, and you know, his finally he put kind of put his hand down and just started listening. I was able to connect with him uh, with like a few things that he had a quote from Walt Disney. I'm a huge Walt uh, Disney Walt Disney fan and just Disney fan as a whole. Uh, and, and we connected on that. And, and I, I kind of walked out of the interview. And I'm thinking, okay, I, I feel okay. I think that it could have gone better. But uh, within an hour, I had received a call back. Uh, that I was getting the position. And I think that I remember even five years later, uh, that feeling of relief 
that you you got this opportunity uh, and, and really have have really grown into the position and the role uh, and found something that I am really very passionate about in social media and social media marketing and communications uh, and providing uh, that experience for our guests and for the people that you're interacting with. But ultimately, it comes to me just having a team around you uh, that you can have that same experience. I would not be here if it wasn't for the team that, that I have around me. Uh, they are kind of the, the rock that brings it all together. So uh, I think that that's kind of kind of looking back on it now. I, I think whew, I'm just I'm glad that I, I took the leap when I, I when I decided to do it. So when you were facing that five years ago and, and you're in that situation of you're feeling like there's something more that you need to explore something else, you're feeling a little bit stunted in, yeah. in your current role. Now contrast those feelings to what you feel today. Yeah, it, it comes down to it comes down to confidence. Honestly, that's where I feel now that you can it, it, when you're confident in what you do and and who you are, not only who you are, but what you're you're backing. Uh, then that's going to come through in all of your actions, uh, how you communicate with people, how uh, you know how you interact, just on one on one or in a group. Uh, and it gives me the confidence that I can stand up in front of 200, 300 people uh, and talk about our story at Mall of America and, and really feel passionate about uh, what we're doing and make sure that and feel confident that that's coming across uh, and, and that people can relate with it. And that only happens if you not only have that confidence, but then also have a strong backing and support system behind you uh, to, to make that leap and, and to get out and to put yourself out there that way. Awesome. Thanks again, Nate. It's been a pleasure. Make sure to like, share, subscribe. And if you want to check out our book, it's from pooptogold.com. Thanks so much. We'll see you on the next one. As entrepreneurs and small businesses, we all kind of reach that point where we know we've created something awesome and we want to share it with the world, right? Mm -hmm. And it's that very next step that can oftentimes be really intimidating or really scary or you just don't know where to go next, right? And the beautiful thing about this 14-day script challenge is you get your hand held from okay, you have this cool product, now let's go research and find the exact way to present it and message it to the world in a way that resonates and gets people excited and they're ready to swipe their credit card and purchase. And in the 14-day script challenge, you get the opportunity to go through that step-by-step -step with our writers who have done it dozens and dozens of times. Yeah, you actually watch us go through each of the steps ourselves and create it with a real client, a real product, and um, it's a real campaign that's out there that's been very successful. That's right. And the feedback that we've had on this thing has just been phenomenal. I mean, we get comment after comment and emails flowing in from people all over the world who have just uh, raved about the impact that this has had on their business. People tell us over and over again, it is just a huge value punch for the investment for this 14-day script challenge and, and really gave them the tool set they needed to walk through it and make it happen. And we've had dozens of students who have successfully taken the challenge, written their script, launched their ad campaigns, and driven success for their business. It's pretty amazing. For more information, go to hbros.co slash script. That's hbros.co slash script.